You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Sam. Today is Bible Sunday and exciting day for a lot of the young people in our faith family. Well, again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's great to be in worship with you. I want to remind you that our semi-annual mission outreach auction is coming up in April and we are looking for donations. So my men's Bible study, uh, I don't know if anybody would want to bid on this, but is putting together a gift basket with goodies and items uh, to raise money uh, for mission. Other folks are donating a weekend at their beach house. I'm donating a round of golf. You can come play with me and I can show you the deep brokenness of the world. Um, And when we uh, hold the auction, please bid on these items that go to raise a lot of money uh, to support our mission partners here in Roswell and around the world. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. Lent are the 40 days that lead up to Easter subtracting Sundays. Sundays are always resurrection day. As we're taking this journey, and Lent is a time marked by repentance and self-reflection when we reflect on the brokenness of the world and our own contributions to that brokenness, we're looking at a sermon series I've entitled Through the Cracks. And what we want to do is focus in not just on the cracking of creation, but the light that shines through the cracks. It's a light that comes from Jesus Christ. Let us look at this opening passage from the Gospel of Mark, Mark 1, verses 9 through 15. Listen for the word of the Lord. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee as, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher. That you might, by your spirit, speak a word that only you can speak. That these dead, lifeless words that are just ink on a page might spring to life and travel that great distance to our hearts and speak a word only you can speak. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. That line has inspired our Lenten sermon series this year. 
It comes from Leonard Cohen's 1992 song, Anthem. It took Leonard over 10 years to write that song. He would say in interviews many years later, I stand by every word of that song. In my humble opinion, that line is one of the most theologically potent lines in music. That this past year, I've been thinking a lot about this line. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. There are so many cracks in our world. But could those cracks provide an opportunity for the light to break in? This idea can seem somewhat sentimental. It can seem too pie in the sky. It can seem too Panglossian. Go look that word up. It's my favorite word. <laughs> Leonard Cohen learned about the cracks of the world the hard way. A number of years after the song came out, Cohen went to live in a Buddhist monastery on the West Coast. He became a monk. And for about the next five years, one of the greatest songwriters in the world spent his days praying, meditating, and washing dishes. <laughs> that was his job. After five years in the monastery, Leonard came down from the mountain. And what he discovered in his time away is that his business manager had stolen $5 million from him and had sold off a number of the publishing rights to his music. He was left literally penniless. He had no way to recoup the money. It was all gone. I think that's one big crack. <laughs> Whether big or small, we all experience the cracks in creation, the cracks of disease, the cracks of despair, and some of us, yes, even the cracks of death itself. But the good news is, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the light breaks in. This is what Jesus' ministry came and what was it? It was to be about to let heaven's light shine into a dark world. Now, the Gospel of Mark is an exciting and tightly told story of the life of Jesus. It is action-packed. Mark is like the John Woo of Gospel writers. He doesn't wait around explaining details and getting in to the, the, to the string uh, stories on for pages on end. He's about action. He's about plot. For instance, in our passage, he uses this word immediately. Immediately. This word occurs 42 times in the gospel. It's one thing happens after the next. Mark wants to get to it. You have a sense that Jesus is in a hurry. He's not waiting around for us to catch our breaths. He is on the move. So when we read the Gospel of Mark, we have to read between the lines to pay careful attention to the meaning that is, that is in there. Our passage begins, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee, it's a second-rate town in a third-rate region. He comes from the Hicks, the Sticks. He was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, many of you, like Carrie Weatherford, are asking the question, why does Jesus have to be baptized? I thought he was perfect. I thought he was free of sin. 
He doesn't have any sin to wash away. Why does he have to be baptized? This is a great question. In fact, it really troubled the early church for about the first 400 years of the church. They were really, really asking themselves and felt a lot of anxiety about this question. Why did Jesus have to be baptized? We know it's a significant moment in his life. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record it's happening. It would have been embarrassing to the early church. Commentators say it's probably the most historically established event in the life of Jesus. See, it's a question. Why did Jesus have to be baptized? In the fourth century, Gregory of Nazianzus, one of the Cappadocian theologians, offered a brilliant answer to this question. He says, whereas baptism is usually a sign and seal of the washing away and cleansing of sin, when Jesus was baptized, the cleansing action goes in the opposite direction. In other words, when Jesus touches a leper, he does not get leprosy, he heals the leper. In a similar way, when Jesus touched the water, he hallows water. He makes the water holy. Gregory of Nazianzus wrote of this event, he needed no fortifying rites himself. His purpose was to hallow water. And now every time we baptize someone, Every time we baptize someone, they are washed in this sacred, hallowed, and healing water of Jesus. Jesus needed to be baptized to show us his healing power and how it washes away sin. Shows us, yes, there is a crack in everything, but that's how the light gets in. Mark goes on writing, and just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. This Greek word for tearing apart is is almost a violent word. It's a forceful word. The heavens are torn apart. They're ripped apart. The skies just aren't opened. They're torn apart because what is open can be easily shut, but what is ripped apart is difficult to mend. Princeton Seminarian professor said that one of his students upon reading this story said, it's scary. It's like God is loose in the world now. It's been, the heavens have been ripped apart and Jesus brings the spirit into the world in a new way. Mark writes that he saw the the spirit descending like a dove on him. Mark is not saying that a bird landed on Jesus' shoulder. The spirit descended like a dove. Here we hear the echoes of creation from the book of Genesis. Mark weaves these details in there that we have to pay close attention to or we'll miss them. First, there's allusion to the second verse in the Bible from Genesis 1. Where it says, the spirit of God, this in the Hebrew is Ruach Elohim. The spirit of God hovered over the waters. Mark is saying that the same spirit and power that created all that exists is some mysterious way present in Jesus. If the God who created all things is present in Jesus, then we shouldn't be surprised when he's able to do signs and wonders. And the second detail is the spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. This is an allusion to the story of Noah and the flood. 
when he sends out a dove and a dove returns with a fig leaf, signifying it's okay to disembark from the ark. The dove becomes a sign of peace, a sign of new life and new beginnings. The heavens are torn apart. The sky is cracked, but the light of the Spirit gets in. In Jesus, we receive the possibility of new life and new beginnings. God's Spirit is let loose in the world. You are my son, the beloved, a voice from heaven speaks. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus has been baptized. The Spirit has come upon him. And now God himself declares his pleasure in his son. Everything is looking good. The Spirit's descended on him. He's been baptized. He's got the power of the Spirit. And guess what happens? And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. We didn't expect that to happen. Here's the first of 42 instances of this word. Immediately, just when everything looked to be going so smoothly and going so well and getting started off on the right foot, Jesus is sent into the wilderness. Jesus doesn't start with a day off. He doesn't start writing up a business plan or a game plan. No, immediately the Spirit drives him into the wilderness. Just when everything was going so well, goes into the wilderness. I think there's an important distinction here. Sometimes when bad things happen to us, when there are cracks in our lives, they're just bad. They're inherently evil. There's no explanation for them. And because we can't offer an explanation or there's no reason, that's what makes them so bad and so difficult so painful. But there are other times when bad things happen to us that are meant to make us better. Jesus is driven into the wilderness to prove he's experienced everything humans will experience. He fully identifies with the human condition and how cracked it is. What happens to him in the wilderness? When Matthew and Luke tell this story, it takes them almost a chapter, not for Mark. Mark, just a single verse. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Moving on. The Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. Why? Because he's retracing Israel's steps from the Old Testament. Jesus will succeed where Israel failed. He will be there 40 days, just like Israel was in the wilderness 40 years. Where they gave into temptation, he will not. When Jesus begins his ministry, it's like he's shot out of a cannon. Mark goes on writing, Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Believe in the good news. This word good news is euangelion in Greek. It's a word to describe the announcement of him, a messenger coming back from battle to declare, we won the war. There's good news here. It was used to describe the announcement of the, the emperor's birthday, to communicate the benefits arising from the emperor's rule. 
This is the good news. And Jesus takes this word and uses for it for its own purposes. The kingdom of God has come near. Believe the good news. Now this word kingdom is basilia in Greek. Kingdom is probably not a great translation in English because kingdom has masculine gender associations and it also has spatial connotations. A better translation would might be, rather than the kingdom of God, might be the empire of God, or better yet, the reign of God. Believe or trust in the good news of the reign of God has come near in Jesus Christ. If you believe that fact, everything changes for you. When you thought judgment had the last word, now grace does. When you believed hate triumphed, now you know mercy wins. When all you can see are cracks, now you see the light getting in. The reign and empire of God have come near in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is repent, turn the other direction, and believe the good news. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. After Leonard Cohen discovered his manager had stolen his life savings. He was as broke as the Ten Commandments. He had no money to live, so there was only one thing he could do. He had to go back out on tour. At this point, Leonard hadn't played live in 15 years. He didn't want to go out, but he had to. And even though he was approaching 80 years of age, over a two-year period, Leonard Cohen would play 387 concerts to over two million people. I'm blessed to say I was one of those two million. <laughs> Leonard came to the Fox Theater, played for three hours. We were told, show up on time because Leonard doesn't like to go to bed late. For three hours, Cohen sang, recited poetry, danced, skipped across the stage, flipped his fedora hat. It was incredible. And I remember sitting there thinking, this man was dead broke just a couple years ago. And now look at him. In interviews, Cohen would remark on how surprising the effect of these events had on him. He said, it was a most fortunate happenstance. It warmed some part of my heart that had taken on a chill. I thought, it's true, Leonard. There is a crack in everything, but that's how the light gets in. Leonard sure had plenty of cracks in his life, and that's how the light got in. Friends, how do you feel the cracks in your life? Might this be the possibility for the spirit to break in, for the light to shine in your life? Is your marriage cracking up? Maybe this is the opportunity to let the light of marriage counseling shine in. Is your job cracking? Maybe this is the opportunity for the light of a new career to shine. Is your college admission cracked? Could God be shining God's light towards a different school? There are a million ways for our lives to crack. There is a crack in everything, but don't forget it. 
That's how the light gets in. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we do acknowledge the brokenness of the world, how it is cracked to the very bone. But Lord, we thank you for the good news that where there is a crack, that's how the light shines. We trust in your light. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.